everybody, it's Mike Jeffers, Chicago Jazz Magazine, chicagojazz.com, and welcome to another episode of Around Town. This is a special one here. I have David Bloom. I'm sure many of you know David Bloom, the Bloom School of Jazz, 47 years, and uh, a musician, composer, arranger, incredible educator. He's got a brand new recording out called Shadow of a Soul that we're going to talk about today. It's got 15 tracks on there, original tunes, and of course, his longtime collaborator, Cliff Colnott is along with him arranging some of these incredible pieces that we're going to talk all about. So, David, welcome to Around Town. I'm glad that we're actually talking virtually. I haven't seen you since the shutdown, but the, I'm going to do that in person at some point. But I'm glad we can make this happen. And congratulations on this recording. Thank you. And thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. So let's just get right into it. Shadow of a Soul. I love the press info that I got on this, the advance on it, because but I want you to talk all about it, but really the reason why you call it shadow of your soul and shadow of a soul and um, you know, the, the passion, the inv- individuality, which also is obviously present in all your teaching as well, but talk a little bit about the, just the title in general. Well, I've always felt since I was a young kid that when I met certain people, there was almost a, a, a sheen to them. There was a, a, a shadow you know, of, of, of depth, you know, some people have it and some people don't. And I've always been really impressed whether someone was a musician or just a, a wise person, you know, they, there was a, a real depth to their presence. And so what I was, what I've tried to do with the composing of shadow of a soul is to have as many different types of moods, you know, that I could, I could think of. And I wrote, I wrote ninety percent of that during COVID. I wrote, um, I wrote about forty-four tunes during COVID. <laughs> and and uh, it was funny. The title tune, "Shadow of a Soul." I wrote the A section of that in nineteen seventy-four, and I played that with Larry Gray, who was a student of mine at the time. And I'd play flute. He'd play. I'd play flute and guitar and he was playing bass and we played a restaurant called Caffineo in Hyde Park. And we played that tune and I noticed that people stopped eating. And I realized at that time, if you can get between someone's fork and their mouth, you're doing, you're doing something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so about two years ago, I I wanted to record that and I, I, I felt that eight bars wasn't really enough. Mm-hmm. So I wrote a bridge to it and I couldn't be happier with it. I mean, Cliff arranged it for, for, uh, you know, upright bass and like four or five cellos and then violins. I mean, it's just, it's, it, to me, it sounds like a Hollywood, you know, score for a great movie. It does. It does. Yeah. Well, I, and the arrangements on this recording outside of the, the, you know, the compositions, the arrangements. I mean, obviously you've worked with Cliff and, and I mean, he's a mastermind of all this stuff, but I mean, my gosh, he really brought even more out of the composition. I think, I don't know how you feel, but I was just listening to it. There's so many layers, so many textures and so much stuff. It just brings the melodies out, brings the themes out even stronger. I, I completely agree with you. Um, You know, I, I look at the arrangements is is a context where melodies can live. And if you've listened to even pop music or whatever, and you hear different arrangements of the same tune, 
you know, it's almost like having, uh, you know, the backdrop of South Pacific behind one tune, and then you have a cityscape, you know, depending upon the orchestration, the mood, the groove, and the temp tempo. Those are so critical. Tempo is something that is is not really uh, um, thought about and, and, and used with the specificity that you need. I mean, even two clicks, three clicks can make a huge difference in the mood. It can sound like the, mel- you can make it sound like the melody is real pushy. Yeah. You can sound like it's dragging or it can sound like it's in that sweet spot. And that's not always easy for a lot of musicians to get to. A lot of times when I go out and hear music, I always hear that they're off by a few clicks in terms of the sweet spot. Well, that's that's something that I know you and I have talked about when I studied with you a little bit, too, and when we would talk and things like that. And I know that's something you talk about in school, and that's something that even though I went to a, a fairly large music school, I didn't hear it that way you know i would never hear it that way but it makes so much sense because if all of you are listening to a tune and it's in the pocket and you know it's in the pocket and it feels i mean it doesn't happen all the time but when it happens and it's locked in it's it it really that's the song that's what the composer really actually wanted right so it must have been incredibly important for you to make sure you nailed these things but i think that the interesting part about it is how did you go about the process of actually figuring out i mean once you lay in layers and once you lay in the arrangements and stuff i mean i'm sure you probably fluctuated the tempos even in the recording process right just to find out where exactly you wanted it yeah normally with cliff um he wants to have that pretty much nailed down so the the tempi on that on that cd are are pretty much there were a couple times where i I might have taken it up or down three or four points because i just said this doesn't really feel just the way I wanted. And, you know, he would, he would uh, uh, kind of <laughs> in an annoyed way, change the, the click, you know, <laughs> but, but uh, um, yeah, I think that, that, that being, being, I think if, if someone has an idea for the mood and the groove and what are they really trying to get across? Mm-hmm. And they and then they they had they 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 narrow it down to maybe 15 clicks, you know, and they say this can work at 85 and it also works at 100. But after that, it's not, it sounds pushy and not musical. And once you understand that, and this is a good lesson for anybody who's putting a set together, once you know that range where something uh, sounds, you know, convincing, you can start, you know, a. Uh, uh, tweaking the tempi for your set to make everything work you know because if you have another tune that is really working great at at 85 you know you don't want to have a redundancy of the tempi so you might you might take the the other tune to like even 90 or 89 and it makes again it makes a a a huge difference i mean sometimes people Many of the the kind of the magic of music is is unknown to the listener in terms of the specifics, but the overall vibe, if you like, if you like, or mood, that is known. Mm-hmm. So they may not know why that works. They may not know why the sus chord really brings the melody up here. They may not understand 
the actual technical specifics, but they do understand the mood. In other words, most people, an old grandmother at like 85 years old, if she hears someone singing out of tune, she's going to know something's wrong. She may not say it's out of tune. Or if someone has bad time, you know, if they're rushing the lyrics, the vocalist, people will hear it and they may not be able to identify it, but they'll hear it. Yeah. That something's just not right. Yeah. Well, I, I will say this, and you and I could talk about this for like four hours, but I will say this. There's a couple of commercials that are playing that I saw during the football games where somehow they're probably getting millions of views and all of the vocals are completely out of tune for some reason. And they, they ran, uh, uh, it's terrible. I can't even, I remember <laughs> the tune only cause it's horrible, but I, <laughs> Hey, there you go. So uh, I digressed on that one, but let's get back into this because, you know, we've got a short amount of time here, but I want to make sure everybody goes and checks this out. It's on fireandformrecords.com. Of course, that's your record label. Um, Shadow of a Soul. So, you know, you have 15 tracks on here and you have some that have a smaller breakdown of an ensemble, some that are just large ensembles. And you and I talked before we even came on. Uh, you did all of these in a very short amount of time from a recording standpoint where it probably would take somebody over a year to do this many tunes, 15, let alone you ended up recording X amount of tunes, which we'll talk about now. But what was the process like? You must have had an idea of exactly who you wanted on the recording. So at least you lined all of that up and then you just made it happen in a very short window. Well, it's interesting. The, the, my, my creative process, um, some of the tunes as I, as a, a couple, two or three of the tunes I had written a sections for, you know, like 30, 40 years ago. <laughs> and, and I decided that I really need a bridge. I don't want to just do it. And, and what, what Cliff, wrote on on that tune shadow of a soul and he had that oboe come in on the bridge and in terms of that that oboe plus what i had written plus the strings i mean i was uh steve weeder the engineer and i were sitting in the in the studio listening back uh, you know a week later because i went in for like weeks to mm -hmm. mix it with him and we were both just blown away you know he turned yeah. that thing up and it just sounded like a major level movie theme <laughs> i think i think a lot of the music i write you know is is, is very moody it's moody music mm -hmm. and uh um uh, cinematic you know it, it it it's kind of music in in search of a movie well you also i mean just from you know knowing you and hearing you teach and hearing you perform and hearing some of your other recordings everything you write has a meaning behind it too. You're not just writing stuff to write stuff. I mean, you have a meaning behind this, just like this whole concept of this recording too. So, I mean, you know, you wrote how many tunes did it? 44 tunes during, during COVID yeah. during, the, during right. the lockdown. I mean, but they all have meanings. I mean, this recording is put together with, with deep meanings behind all of the compositions and the whole theme of the entire recording. I mean, but that's you, right? I mean, and that's actually what, the recording is about is finding your passion finding your individuality finding out to me it's always like you know at the end of my life am i going to be able to say i did everything that i could possible with the talents i have and i mean it feels like to me that's kind of the theme of this whole recording yeah yeah i mean good way to put it i mean the way i would would write is if i um this tune for example a fatal honey 
with the flute, bass flute, and um, you know that tune. I just that tune is kind of about my <laughs> my my, uh, my uh, romance history, you know. Fatal <laughs> honey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, being drawn to <laughs> situations that really didn't didn't work out too well. You know, so so for example, you know, in that that tempo was very very slow and, uh, you know. It's very it's 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 interesting. The slower a tune is, the more the harmony really comes out. You know, if you have a tune at like one eighty or one ninety, and you know you have nice chords and all that, they don't scream out like they do at sixty or seventy. Yep. You know, so if you really want to highlight, you know, deep color, um, you're not going to do it well at a fast tempo. Yeah. Then the chords are not going to come out. I mean, it's 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 first of all, when things are going that fast, a lot of times the chords gone in like you know one second. Mm-hmm. Versus if you have some beautiful chords at sixty, you know, it, you, people get kind of lavish themselves in the in the harmony. You know, I mean, it's like it's it's very interesting just how much time, you know, you're giving a person with a particular sound. In other words, if you, I remember I saw this movie called The Life of Pi, mm-hmm. and it, it had my favorite animal, which is the Bengal tiger. And never do you look at a Bengal tiger for like an hour, hour and a half. Right. And if you're at the zoo, you go by, you, you take a look for 10 or 15 seconds, you move on. But when you take a look at anything, you know, for so long, you really get, you know, thing, you see things you never did. It's like going to a movie you saw two weeks ago and you cannot believe the plot points that you've missed. Mm-hmm. Not the dressing, the plot points, because you got distracted. You thought about something. It's embarrassing, you know, to, <laughs> you know but it's the same thing with, with uh, listening to, uh, you know, one of these tunes. You listen to it 10 times, you're going to hear a whole bunch of things you, never, you didn't hear the first or second or third. Yeah. Well, that, and that, that's the, that's the thing that I mentioned at the beginning of this. I mean, this is one of those recordings that, you know, you listen over and over, but really what I love to do is I like to listen in a dark room or shut my eyes and just like sit somewhere and just really get inside of what's happening. You know, a lot of times, and I brought this up uh, to somebody yesterday, actually, who's, who's performing a, a jazz thing in a sanctuary and um, at a church. And when you hear somebody play in a club, if you go to a church and hear the same group and you close your eyes, you hear the reverberate. It's totally different. It's a completely different experience. And with this recording, there's so many textures, so many layers and so many themes that, that this is something that to your point, it's almost like you need to see this movie. You need to listen to this many, many times and, and uh, just to kind of digest what's happening. And then knowing the meaning behind the recording, I think then you're going to really feel it stronger and stronger every time you hear it right right yeah i mean uh i mean i recommend for anyone i mean if you whether it's coltrane or me you know you listen to a tune i i tell my students you know, listen to this solo twice a day for a week yeah you know and listen to this track and you know one time listen what is the piano player doing for the whole tune what's the bass player doing what's the drummer doing 
you know, and you really start getting into uh, the intricacies of of listening and responding. Mm-hmm. You know, some bebop type drummers don't don't do anything but play time. You know, and they're and they're good at that, but they're not kind of the organic Elvin Jones. You know, listening more to what's going on and letting the soloist, you know, at least do half of the navigation. And then you might want to nudge the soloist to go someplace that they wouldn't normally go. And that's the responsibility of a great rhythm section. Let's talk a little bit about who's on the recording. Dave Liebman's on there, some very familiar names, Rob Parton, Victor Garcia. But there's some other names on there, too, that I recognize, but I had never heard perform. And uh, so tell, tell us who's on that recording that, that uh, there's so many that stand out, really. Well, Constantine Alexander is a trumpet player who I did not know into, until the session and Cliff, you know, found him somehow. And uh, very impressive. Yeah. I mean, really a, just a fluent player. Uh, Ryan Cohn mm-hmm. plays many uh, piano solos. He was a student of mine for about 20 years. Um, and then, you know, the uh, Rob Parton, who's been on tons of our, our record. I'm really happy that we have Kahari... Parker, yeah, who's who's on this uh, uh, record with Jewel that I another record. You know, I produced four records mm-hmm. you know, last year, and one was with Jewel, and we co-wrote tunes. So there's like country, wow. there's country tunes. I'll, I'll send you that too. Yeah, I would love to hear that. Yeah, because because there's some smoking stuff on that. Oh man, I bet. Yeah, who, yeah. Who's the, who's the trombone player that's on this as well? Steve, uh, Steve Duncan. Steve Duncan. That's right. Yeah, yeah. He, for my money, he's one of the top features on the CD. Yeah. I mean, it's just really, really good. I mean, he plays stuff that sounds important and expensive. <laughs> not, not cheap and frivolous. <laughs> so you recorded all of this in the span of how long because we were talking you recorded how many tunes in the span of 30 tunes between june 18th and june 26th wow. of 20 of 20 uh 20 where are we now 2021 20 no yeah okay okay so really coming out of the pandemic you got right to work then on this recording because uh, you know as soon as you can get people into a room together it sounds like you guys started recording yeah, I mean, I wrote uh, some days Cliff would call me up because he he did worse than I did during the COVID. I was out on my bike yeah. riding around and 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 composing. I mean, I had I had probably the most creative period, uh, you know, in my life mm-hmm. during COVID. You know, see, he'd call me up because he was really bored and say, uh, man, will you send me something? And I said, well, I'll send you eight bars later today. Yeah. And and a few of these ended up ended up being interludes. You know, on the CD I have I have full-fledged tunes and then I have, you know, these short interludes. Um, you know, and and I I really they're almost like palate cleansers. Mm. You know, like like samba. Um, you know, and then there's two there's full-fledged tunes like, you know, the way I see it, which is one of my my favorite tunes. I'm playing alto flute on that. Right. Um, yeah, but, but some of these are like, you know, are like fatal honey. These are very short tunes. I'm, and I'm a, I'm a very firm believer 
in do not practice on a listener's time. You know, present what you got to present and get the hell out. <laughs> you know, no, I mean, some people just, it's just, it's runaway ego. Yeah. You know, they just keep playing on and on. And I, I was just at a, at a set the other night and the tenor player who I hadn't heard before, um, very, very, very good instrumentalist. I mean, but he was just playing stuff that just didn't hold together. Mm-hmm. You know, he's someone we both know who you turned me on to. I won't mention his name now, but uh, exceptionally good player, but really so little poetry, you know, so little storytelling. And I think a lot of people, uh, they respond if a tempo is like at 170, 180, they respond Pavlovianly. They just have to play eighth notes. They, they just couldn't think of playing like whole notes tied. Yeah. You know, they just, it, there's just a little trigger and they, it just turns on and, you know, they're just playing what I call a lot of verbiage, mm-hmm. you know, just, just, uh, <laughs> you know, and they're missing, they're missing two or three gears they could play to get to that release place. You know, if they played like a whole, whole notes or quarter note triplets or something just to, just to, you know, float before they go to that conclusion. Mm-hmm. So they're just missing opportunities. I think it's a great way to say it. Um, you're telling a story when you're soloing, you know, when you're writing, when you're doing any of that, and you're telling a story. And I think a lot of people sometimes, they don't think that way. They don't, they're don't. they like, okay, I got to fill up this thing, and I want to play off of this guy and that guy, but they're not thinking, they're telling a story, and stories oftentimes start off in one way set up you know you and i could talk about this i know for another hour too so i'm right. trying to keep it short because we're running out right. of time but but um you know and that to your point that's something that i think a lot of people even really 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 well-known people continuously keep thinking about as they keep getting better and better and better it's just something that sometimes people just don't even conceive and then somebody has to actually tell them hey you know you're telling a story here and if your story's over in two two choruses, then it's over, man. Don't take a third chorus because now you're you're writing a trilogy with no ending here. You know, like, what are we talking about? <laughs> well, a lot of times people, you know, even Lee Morgan on a record called like someone in love and they're playing a tune called Johnny's Blue, a minor blues. And he just plays just fantastically. But then he plays a five chorus epilogue. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 you can hear him running out of gas. <laughs> you know and 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 you know so we're we're talking about name players i mean legendary players don't always play uh you know poetic solo mm-hmm. you know i mean yeah. you can hear you can hear great named players playing okay mm-hmm. you can also hear them play stuff that's uh sounds miraculous mm-hmm. you know so a lot of this has to do with how they feeling that day. You know, did they have a fight with their girlfriend? Whatever, ha- you know, that can, and, and also how people respond to what happens to them. Mm-hmm. You know, something might take you deeper inward and something like, might take you, you know, to play much more in a, a shallow, shallowly, if that's a word, more shallow than, than, um, you know, you would normally play. So all kinds of things affect people. Yeah. Well, we have to get back on and we need to talk about 
concepts and all of that stuff at some point, but we're about to wrap up. We got a couple of minutes left. So I want to thank everybody for watching. David, thank you for jumping on with me. Shadow of a Soul with arrangements by Cliff Colnott, 15 incredible tracks, uh, fireandformrecords.com. Of course, the Bloom School of Jazz is there and everybody should look that up and go study with David and hit him up as well because uh getting a one-on-one -on -one with david and bringing your instrument in and, and and talking about all this stuff in person is um it starts to change the way you can completely conceive how to play trust me i've done it and it completely changed the way i was conceiving how to play so hey thank you for being on david i really appreciate it and congratulations on this recording well thank you for having me and uh i wish you luck back with everything you're doing you know because it seems like you made a big change recently. I did, but we're back. Yeah. We're back yeah. up and running, man. We're up and running. So, all That's right. And great. of course, I want to thank everybody for watching. And as I always say, everything's on ChicagoJazz.com. And until next time, hopefully I will see you all out on the scene.